And I am flipping the schedule, just like I had teased that I would do for the last couple of episodes. Finally able to do it. So you're getting this one a week early. It's a nice little treat. Uh, Alright, let's go to the USA here to kick things off out of Florida with the famous kind of Tampa death metal scene down there. All those bands that would go to... uh, See Mr. Scott Burns at Morris Sound to record their stuff. This band is Deicide. They existed from 87 to 89 under the uh, the name Amon. And from 89 to now, they have been Deicide. Uh, it's just Glenn Benton and Steve, the drummer, are the only two original guys left. Um, after they kicked out the Hoffman brothers on guitar, uh, there was kind of some wonder of of where they were going to go the direction of their sound you know because they've had the hoffman brothers on guitar for their entire career up to that point but uh they got jack owen from cannibal corpse after he had quit cannibal corpse and then they got old uh, ralph santola uh, to do lead guitars i'm not sure if he was an official member at this point on this album but he did participate on the album doing some solos and things like that and then he joined as a full member afterwards i think Uh, But they released this album called The Stench of Redemption in August of 06. It was their eighth record on uh, Earache. I think it was their second album on Earache. Because they were on Roadrunner for a really long time. And then I remember that Scars of the Crucifix was like their first album um, after changing labels. And they were kind of gung-ho. They were back, uh, according to a lot of people, once they finally got off of Roadrunner. But, um, But Scars of the Crucifix, to me... Um, considering all the hype around it, it wasn't that great of a record. (laughs) So I didn't have the highest of hopes for this one, but I was definitely curious uh, with the lineup change what it was going to sound like, and I think this album still uh, holds up as one of the best of their career, um, of their entire career, before or since. Um, Some really, really catchy songs on this. Ralph Santola's solos are great. Um, And yeah, Jack Owen, of course, is a great songwriter, and... um, he just worked well with Deicide. He's moved on. He's <laughs> he's definitely taken a step down, uh, joining Six Feet Under these days. But uh, but yeah, you know, leaving Cannibal Corpse and joining Deicide was a pretty uh, lateral move. That wasn't a step down at all. But he fit in well with them. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna play a tune that they did a music video for, and it was it's really just one of the catchiest ones on uh, the album. And uh, it's just a really good way to kick things off. So here we go, off of 2006, Stench of Redemption. This is Deicide with Homage for Satan. Oh, 
right, that was Deicide with Homage for Satan. Um, some really straightforward Jack Owen riffing going on in that one. He's always been uh, big on kind of more simple but catchy riffs uh, that tend to have a very fast... Like he's always been very fast with his picking hand, so there's a lot of that going on in that song. Uh, all right, we're going to jump to Stockholm, Sweden here. This should come as no surprise to anyone who has paid attention to the metal news in the last uh, week or so. I'm going to play some Entombed here. We, of course, lost a good one uh, just a few days back. Old LG Petrov, the singer for Entombed and Entombed AD, uh, succumbed to his cancer. Um, I don't think it was ever clear what kind of cancer he had. Not that that's particularly important, but uh, he did, you know, of course, announce last year that he had uh, incurable cancer, as he worded it. And uh, there was a lot of kind of fundraiser... Um, you know, things going on for him to pay his medical bills, and I know they came out with kind of a limited edition uh, t-shirt that you could buy uh, that said, you know, LG Petrov uh, against cancer, I think is what it said, and it had his, you know, his image on the front of it. Um, and I know that helped. I heard that that was uh, really beneficial for him, but ultimately um, he, he did succumb to his cancer. Uh, so yes, we're just kind of celebrating, uh, everything he gave us. So, he was one of the greats, one of the originals from that, uh, Swedish death metal scene. So, by all accounts, he was just a really funny, down-to-earth, uh, guy who was just kind of a joy to, uh, to be around. So, it's a real shame that he is gone. So, we're gonna play something off of the debut, the classic debut, Left Hand Path, came out in June of 1990 on Earache Records. Uh, inspired countless, countless bands out of Sweden and around the world. Um, yeah, the, the songs on that one are great. I love that one and Clandestine. Um, I know LG was, you know, was in the band for the making of the songs for Clandestine, but he did not sing on that record. He was kind of temporarily kicked out when they recorded that, and then he joined, I think, whenever they were touring for that album, he was brought back in, so he's certainly, uh, had an impact on the creation of those songs at the very least but uh, I'm gonna play something off a of left-hand path here so they existed from 87 to 89 as nihilist as we all know I just played nihilist on the last episode I think it was if not the last one it was two episodes ago I can't remember but um, but yeah from 89 onward they were known as entombed until they kind of split and had to form uh, entombed AD to avoid a lawsuit but, uh, yeah, there's not much else to say here. This album is a classic, and it's a classic for a good reason. So this one has always been a favorite tune of mine off of, uh, off of the debut here. So here we go, off of Left Hand Path. This is Entombed with Drowned. Let it die. 
off so abruptly uh all right that was drowned by entombed off a left-hand path uh r.i.p to lg petrov he will be missed it's a real it's a real kick in the gut to you know lose uh, a dude like that and yet uh assholes like uh ingve malmstein continue to live but uh what can you do all right, let's jump to Germany here. This band has been around since 2014. They kind of have a little bit of an entombed sound uh, themselves, but um, they're one that I actually had not heard much about. I, I feel like I've heard the name, but I really don't know anything about their catalog or anything like that. But um, I just saw that they were on the uh, Metal Blade roster, which these days, you know, Metal Blade, it's all metal, but um, the variety within their roster is, uh, is pretty vast. So you never quite know uh, what they're going to sound like just because they're on Metal Blade, but uh, I went ahead and checked them out, and I thought it was actually really good. So I'm going to play something, a new single of theirs. Uh, they're going to be releasing, did I say the name of the band? Probably not. The band's called Endseeker, 
and uh, they're releasing a new record on April 16th called Mount Carcass. And uh, they released a single off of it on February 16th. Uh, Mount Carcass is going to be their third album. They've already got a couple out. But um, I haven't checked out the debut. I did go back and check out the prior album, the second album. Very good. Um, so, yeah, this is a nice new discovery for me. And uh, I'm going to have to check out Mount Carcass when it comes out in April. But they released this single on February 16th. It is out there on Spotify. So uh, check it out. Here we go. From Germany, this is Endseeker with Unholy Rights.
right. That was End Seeker with Unholy Rites. Be on the lookout for their next record called Mount Carcass coming out on April 16th through Metal Blade. All right, we're jumping to a project here that formed in 2016 that I was actually a part of for a little while there. It's called Dower. It was formed uh, by Cody Daniels, my Krigsgrove bandmate and Giant of the Mountain bandmate. Um, and basically, like whenever we toured together, Krigsgrove and Giant of the Mountain um, in 2016, we did an East Coast tour, and um, I think it was probably being discussed before that, maybe, but then after the tour is when we kind of put it into action um, to form this then, you know, unnamed band that turned into Dower, and um, Cody was kind of the mastermind behind it, writing the songs, and we were just kind of learning our parts and, and did a few rehearsals and everything. Uh, the other guitar player ended up kind of, uh, just, I guess just kind of his heart wasn't in it, and it was kind of a, a chain reaction thing where he ended up leaving Dower and then he ended up leaving Krigsgrove as well. Um, he just wasn't, you know, feeling the music anymore. And um, so I ended up leaving subsequently as well um, once the other guitar player left and uh, we just kind of shelved it. And then um, Cody went ahead and finished out the um, demo and with a drum machine and he just recorded all guitars and bass and vocals and it was awesome it was really really good it's out there on Bandcamp. uh you, sh you should definitely check it out um but he has been in the works for the last year plus uh maybe year and a half on this new tune i mean i i guess uh i don't know if he ultimately wants to expand upon this and make like a full length uh, for dower or you know i think he's just kind of um, playing it as it comes to him, I guess. So, you know, if, if he starts writing some more songs for Dower, then I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll you know, save them for an album. But, uh, but yeah, he worked hard on this tune. It's a 10-minute song. He ended up releasing it as a standalone single last year in 2020. I can't remember exactly what, um, what month. But that demo or EP or whatever you want to call it was uh, back in 2017. Um, it's not signed. It's all independently released, digitally released, um, so yeah, like I said, it's out there on Bandcamp, it's on YouTube, uh, but he did this single called Ursa Major, and uh, this is really kind of his masterpiece um, as far as I'm concerned. You can really tell the level of, uh, of detail and um, just the patience and the hard work that it took to write this song and break it down and rework it and add more and take away things and... There was a lot of trial and error and piecing things together and uh, just building upon uh, a good foundation. And he ultimately um, finished this tune and it's awesome. So he uh, used a drum machine once again and uh, did all the instrumentation and singing himself. But uh, it really is kind of a progressive black metal masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. So it's a long one, but uh, it's excellent. You won't, you won't regret it, I promise you. So... Here we go from good old Texas. This is Dower with Ursa Major.
All right, that was Dower with Ursa Major. Well done, Cody. Um, yeah, lots of clean vocals. Uh, Cody's always said that he's he's heavily influenced by Isan's uh, first solo album, The Adversary, and you can definitely, I can definitely hear it in his vocal delivery. He's the American Isan, as far as I'm concerned. Um, all right, we're gonna jump to uh, Canada here, out of Quebec. This is a death metal band that existed from '89 to '05. Um, they had some breaks here and there during that span, and then they disbanded and uh, reformed in 08 and are still active now, although they are not very prolific when it comes to releasing material, but that band is Gorguts, and the first couple of Gorguts albums are more straightforward death metal. Um, they definitely have some kind of technical flair here and there, but then the third and fourth albums really got more advanced and more technical and just kind of... Um, Strange. They were really pushing pushing the boundaries of what uh, they could do that would still be considered extreme and considered to be death metal. Um, the album Obscura is one specifically that really kind of stands out as as you know pushing the boundaries. Um, but yeah, they're a very well respected band, very talented musicians. Um, whenever they announced that they were reforming in 08, they were working on new material, but it still took some time for them to finally release something. Uh, but they released their kind of comeback album, their fifth album, called Colored Sands in August of 2013. Um, that came out on Season of Mist. They've done an EP um, since then. I can't remember when that one came out. But uh, yeah, they haven't done any other full length since this one in 2013. But this album was very well received. And I like it. I think it um, is kind of a good balance because there are some kind of... It, it still isn't on the same level of death metal that the first couple of records are. But to me, this is a really good blend of the old and, and new you know, styles. Uh, there's still a lot of technical flair and kind of progressive strangeness um, worked into it. But they just do it really well. And I think it's a really colorful album. And I like it a lot. So I'm going to play something off of that one. So off of the fifth album, the comeback album, Colored Sands, this is Gorguts with Forgotten Arrows.
forget about that part. Uh, but yeah, that was Gorguts from Canada with Forgotten Arrows. I think that album is really cool. Um, it's just full of strangeness like that, but it's still very epic, and the production is easily the best that they've ever had on an album. It's a real mighty meaty production and it just works really well with that material um all right let's jump to sweden here this is a project that i forgot existed um they were around from 94 to 98 and it's called the abyss and the abyss was basically all of the existing members of hypocrisy that decided to kind of on the side um do a black metal band so uh, it's kind of, I forget exactly the time frame, but there's somewhere in this time frame, I know that Peter Tatgren, um, was thinking of, of disbanding Hypocrisy. Um, the final chapter album from Hypocrisy was supposed to literally be the final Hypocrisy album, and then he ultimately decided to keep the band going, but, um, but yeah, I'm not sure if The Abyss formed... Um, prior to that and he had you know intentions of making the abyss be like his new permanent full-time band instead of hypocrisy and then those plans changed i guess but uh, i don't really know i am i would love to be able to ask him that and find out but uh regardless this band existed for four years and it was uh, much more on the black metal side and um it was good. They put out two records. The first one uh, came out in 95. Second one was in 97, I think. And then they, uh, in 98, decided that they were just not going to you know, continue anymore with this band. Um, but yeah, I'm going to play something off of the debut called The Other Side. It came out in March of 95 on Nuclear Blast. And uh, all the lyrics were in Swedish. And it does not sound like it was recorded at... Um, um, what the hell? Abyss Studios, which is Peter's studio. I blanked on it for a second there. But it doesn't sound like uh, all the other stuff that you've heard, you know, recorded at Abyss Studios. It's uh, much more raw and thin sounding. Um, so I assume that was done intentionally since this is, you know, the, the black metal project. Didn't want it to sound too thick, I guess. But, uh, yeah, this one stands out to me as a, a favorite of mine. It, it's, you know, uh, maybe the second or third track. I can't remember off of the uh, the record. But there's some really good, really good you know, guitar work. And his vocals, you can still tell it's Peter, but he does a, he does a pretty good job with his, uh, his black metal voice. So here we go. Off of the debut album, The Other Side. This is The Abyss with Tienre of Besten.
Night. That was The Abyss from Sweden with Tianre of Bestin. Um, that one and the second album both are, are really good. I mean, it, you can still tell that it's it, it's not full-blown black metal because um, he just can't help but be melodic with his riffing. Like, more melodic than you typically hear in black metal. Like, it definitely still has that melodic kind of Swedish death metal um, tinge to it. But um, not so much the riffing, but the production, uh, to me, is reminiscent of, uh, like, Marduk's uh, Opus Nocturne record. Um, that's I mean, that's what it sounds like to me, at least. But, but yeah, I dig that record a lot. Um, okay, we're going to jump to Norway here out of Bergen, or just outside of Bergen. Um, this is a solo project that has been going since 2015, and that would be Abbott from Immortal. Um, of course, with the falling out with his Immortal bandmates, uh, he was essentially kicked out. They asked him to go to rehab. He said absolutely not. So he got fired from his own band. And the rest is history, because Immortal is still going, and they released a damn fine album without him. And he carried on with his solo career and released um, his first album in 2016 or 17. And then uh, releasing this second album in July of 2019 called Outstrider. And that was released uh, on Season of Mist. The first one just didn't do it for me at all. I really hated the production on it, especially the production of the drums. Um, it had a couple of, of decent tunes on there, but uh, as a whole record, it just did not do it for me at all. And I, I bought it thinking I was buying just a digipack, and then what I received was like this inch and a half thick, like, collector's box, you know, version of it. And I'm just like, I don't want this fucking thing. <laughs> like, it takes up so much space. It had like a metal pin and like an Abbott, you know, wrist sweatband and a bunch of crap that I just didn't want. Especially since I didn't end up liking the album. I'm just like, God damn it, and I'm stuck with all this crap. But, um, but, but yeah, I still wanted to check out the second album whenever he released it. And I like it better, um, because this most recent one, to me, stops trying to sound like Immortal. It's just more of a, of a nod to, like, Bathory. And... Um, kind of the Viking era of Bathory, but um, I I just like it. It's it feels more genuine, I guess. Um, like it it ha occurred more naturally or something like that. But uh, I just think the songs are better. His voice sounds pretty nasty. I think he's using a, an effect on his voice um, somewhat, but um, but yeah, he's kind of dirtied up his uh, his delivery a little bit on this album. But I like the production better. Uh, it's just an all around better album than the debut, but. Um, he has since, ironically, gone to rehab, which the Immortal guys couldn't get him to do, but once he had his absolute meltdown in South America, where he just was, like, incoherent and crying and fell off the stage or climbed off the stage and then wouldn't get back on, and his whole backing band just said, fuck this, and, and walked off the stage, and he was just there <laughs> amongst the crowd. It was super embarrassing. Um, but I guess that was kind of a wake-up call, and he, he went to rehab, so as far as I know, he's sober now, and probably hating every second of it, but, uh, yeah, he's working on his third album now, I saw some studio photos recently, so, um, definitely looking forward to hearing that, so, but for now, off of the second album, Outstrider, this is Abbott with Bridge of Spasms. <laughs> Thank you. 
we go that was abbott with bridge of spasms uh there's a really good drum cam video of uh, his drummer whose name oh is ukri savalato i believe uh, I, I might be pronouncing that wrong but um but yeah he's a really good drummer i had never really heard of him prior to his uh his joining abbott's band but um but he's damn good there's a there's a drum cam video that my son likes uh that has him in it but um Let's go back to Germany here. This is a band that's been around since 2011. A really, really good death metal band. One that I come back to periodically, but really I, I should listen to them more often than I do uh, because I always enjoy it. Uh, they're called Revel in Flesh, and they released... My favorite of theirs is their most recent. Um, they released it in December of 2019. It's their fifth record came out on War Anthem Records. It's called The Hour of the Avenger, and I remember uh, being drawn in by the cover art. I explored their whole back catalog after hearing this album, and it's really good. Like, their their whole catalog, to me, is, is very good. Um, but yeah, this was the first. Of course, it's their most recent, but this was the first one that I heard, and uh, I just think it's really, really good. Straightforward death metal. Uh, the song I chose, it's not necessarily my favorite off the record, it's still a very good song, but I picked it because it's a Seinfeld reference, and <laughs> I'm a big fan of the show Seinfeld, so this, basically I picked this song just to make myself laugh, because um, there's an action movie that they were going to see in the movie theaters uh, called Death Blow, so that's the name of this song, <laughs> so 
And it worked. It made me laugh just then. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> from Germany, off of their fifth album, The Hour of the Avenger, this is Revel in Flesh with Death Blow. That is Revel in Flesh with Death Blow. Um, definite Swedish influence in there. You know, I've already played Entombed uh, tonight, and then Endseeker, who I played right after them, had uh, a definite influence from uh, the old Swedish bands. And Endseeker was German as well. 
So Revel and Flesh, they're German, and they uh, they certainly borrow from that Stockholm sound, but um, I, I think they do a great job of it. Um, all right, we're jumping back to Bergen in Norway here. This is Gorgoroth. Um, I, I know I've said before, I am not a fan of what Gorgoroth has done since they got rid of Gaul and King with that big court case that Gaul and King ended up losing, so uh, Infernus retained, you know, the name Gorgoroth, and, and he got Pest back on vocals, and they released an album, but like, that album they released, yeah, Pest still sounded good, um, and there was a couple of good songs on there, but it had a really way too crystal clear production that I didn't like, and the guitars were trying to get too fancy, and it's like, I don't want to hear Gorgoroth try to be Dissection, that's not, it just doesn't work, uh, it, it's, it wasn't good for, for me. And then all sorts of constant lineup changes, but with the live band, like the people that play on the record didn't even play live um, ever, you know, pretty much. And uh, it's just this constant revolving door of, of live people. And then they did another album since they kicked Pest out again. Um, another album that, quite frankly, just sucked. Like, I don't like it at all, the last one that they've done. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Gaul fan, and I, I like the older albums as well with Hat and, um, and Pest. But, um, but yeah, I, something about Gaul, he's a very intriguing person with an interesting voice, and uh, I always just liked their material with him singing. Um, my favorite would probably be Twilight of the Idols, and then uh, Ad Majorum Satanus Glorium uh, is a fantastic album as well, but the one that I think gets overlooked the most even more so than Destroyer, is uh, Incipit Satan. And that one came out in February of 2000. It was their fifth album, and it was on Nuclear Blast, so it's a, it's a you know major label as far as metal is concerned. And you still kind of don't see this album much or <laughs> hear stuff off of it. Um, they used to play the title track off of it uh, in their live set fairly often, but that was really it. And uh, it was an interesting album. It had a pretty clear production, but not as you know pristine as, as some of the later albums, of course. But um, on Destroyer, you just kind of got a little taste of what Gaul can do. You know, he only sang on the uh, the title track on that album. That was kind of his debut with the band. So this is the first album fully with Gaul and with King. Um, and man, he's kind of the, the master of, of holding some long screams, and you hear it in this tune. Uh, this song is guilty of having too many stops. There's several times where the drums stop, and there's just a, a new guitar riff being introduced, and then every all the other instruments kick back in. So it does that a few too many times. It kind of makes for a bit of a choppy song, but it has some of my favorite riffs um, of the whole album uh, in this one song. Um, and I kind of like that it has a really unconventional song title as well. Um, so... Here we go, off of Incipit Satan, this is Gorgoroth with Unchain My Heart.
right. That was Gorgoroth with Unchain My Heart. That's a great song, even though it is a very choppy song structure there. There's some great riffs in there, um, and his vocals are just really top-notch. Um, I think some of his best work is still um, with Treldom, especially the second album. But um, that that record right there, Insipid Satan, has some really, really fantastic vocals on it. Um, the fun fact, I guess, for that album is that all of those little kind of electronic noises and, and things like that, like the whole intro of that song, uh, and there's a few other moments on, on the album. I think it's only on like two or three tracks, but uh, the songs on that album that have little bits like that uh, with kind of just trippy sounds and, and piano and stuff like that, I'm pretty sure that was uh, Ivar Bjornsson from uh, Enslaved uh, helped them out with some of the electronic stuff uh, for that record. So little fun fact. All right, we're jumping to Iceland now. This band has been around since 2013, and uh, they most recently participated in a split with the Ruins of Beverast. The band is called Almyrkvi, uh, which is Icelandic for like a, a total, f- you know, full eclipse uh, is what it translates to. But um, I had not heard them prior to the split. I looked into the split simply so I could listen to the Ruins of Beverast. But uh, in listening to the other half of it, um, and listening to Almirkvi, they are really good. So I wanted to uh, take a moment to kind of shine a light on these guys a little bit in case uh, there's some people out there like me who had not heard of them uh, prior to this. So they released an EP in 2016, and they released their debut full-length in 2017. They have not done another another full-length since... Um, but they did just do this split, which was released in uh, May of 2020 on Van Records, who's a very good label. Um, and yeah, it's it's really strong stuff, and it just makes that split that much better because both both bands on the split are are excellent. So um, if you haven't heard it, check it out, and be sure to listen to the Ruins of Beverest uh, side of the split as well. Um, let me see, I I. I looked up how to pronounce the first word of this title. Oh yes, I remember it now. Ha <laughs> ha! Came back to me. <laughs> so, here we go. Off of their split with the ruins of Beverest, this is Almirkvi with Asamatis Grove.
selected to fade that down. That sound effects, uh, the ambient stuff there at the end actually goes on for a couple of minutes uh, before the song ultimately finishes. But I decided to throw in a fade just to kind of wind it down a little sooner. But that was Almirkvi from Iceland with Esomatis Grove. Um, they fit right in on a split with the ruins of Beveras, but they they definitely have that kind of signature Icelandic uh, atmosphere. Like all bands from Iceland seem to all have kind of a similar uh, similar kind of atmosphere to their to their sound. But um, we're jumping to Belgium here for the next one. We're gonna play some Enthroned. They've been around since '93, and since '06, they actually do not have any original members uh, left in the band. Because once uh, Sabathin left in '06 and kind of handed over the reins to old uh, Norna Guest, there's no original people left. So, but they've done some really great things uh, since '06. Even though there's no original members, they've kind of evolved their sound into some darker territory. Maybe it's a little less fixated on speed and and uh, just intensity. And it's just kind of got a more dense, dark uh, vibe to it these days. But uh, I do love all the old stuff as well. I thought Sabathin's vocals were really uh, unique. I mean, obviously there was other people singing with those really high screeches, um, but I just thought his voice was uh, instantly identifiable. He doesn't sound like uh, Danny Filth or anything like that. He kind of uh, stands on his own two feet with his voice, but... Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they weren't perfect in their discography. They had some missteps here and there with some albums that were kind of forgettable, but this one's kind of hailed as a classic, and uh, rightfully so. I'm going to play something off of their second record, which is called Towards the Skull Throne of Satan. came out in October of 97 uh, on Blackened Records. And uh, this was the first record after their original drummer uh, took his own life. I believe they had just kind of a guest uh, drummer on this album. I think um, a lot of these songs were written while the original drummer was still uh, living. So they had the expectation of him playing on the album, and then whenever he uh, took his own life, they had to kind of, you know, figure something out. So they, they just had a, a guest drummer on um, on this one. I can't remember his name, but uh, did a great job. The songs are excellent, very memorable songs, and they still include a lot of them in their set lists, um, you know, to this day. But um, I think this was the first album with Norna Guest on guitars. So, uh, I mean, he's kind of uh, the leader of the band these days, uh, just doing vocals and things like that. But um, it's not like he was just some some new guy that joined, you know, 10 years into the band's existence, and, and now he's the leader of the band. He's been there for a really long time. Uh, I think he joined in 95 um, or 96, something like that. So, you know, he's he's earned the right to be leading this band. But uh, anywho, here we go. This is one that uh, is kind of a, a classic tune that they play live a lot. Really great song. So off of Towards the Skull Throne of Satan, this is Enthroned with The Ultimate Horde Fights. <laughs>
right? That was enthroned from Belgium with the Ultimate Horde fights. Man, I miss those vocals, but honestly, the direction that their music has taken the last several albums, his vocals probably wouldn't fit that well with the newer material. It would be kind of an interesting mix. Um, but yeah, I, I like that album a lot and the debut because the songs are still fast, but they're slow enough to where it just makes them more memorable to me. So that's kind of the trade-off whenever you try to get faster and faster. You kind of, you know, it ups the intensity, but you kind of lose some of the uh, the staying power, I guess, of those songs. Um, it's it's They're not quite as memorable for me, at least. That's why it kind of pains me to listen to uh, Dark Funeral live these days because they play everything twice as fast as it is on the albums. And it's already fast on the albums, but it's so fast live that it's like, it just... It not, it's not as impactful um, for me. It's impressive to see the drummers blast that fast, but uh, yeah, it's just not as cool. It's not as cool to me. But uh, all right, we're moving on here. We're going to France. This band has been around. Um, they were existed from 95 to 05. Then they disbanded for a bit, and then they reformed in 2011, and they're still active now. That band is Seth, and I first uh, was introduced to Seth um, when I was checking out the... Uh, uh, what's it called? It was It's a Mayhem, like, tribute album of a bunch of bands doing Mayhem covers, just like a compilation, uh, like, tribute record for them. But Seth was the one oddball there because everybody had, had done um, covers of songs off of Death Crush and De Mysterious Dom Satanis, which makes perfect sense. Death Crush was kind of nobody had heard anything quite like that when it came out in 87. And then, of course, De Mysterious was kind of the, you know, crown jewel of that second wave uh, of Norwegian black metal as far as just having a super, super dark vibe and just great performances on it and the unusual vocals and everything. It was uh, an instant classic. So it was very strange that Seth decided to cover the song uh, I Am Thy Labyrinth off of uh, Wolf's Lair Abyss. I love Wolf's Lair Abyss and I love Seth's cover, but... Um, uh, I didn't complain about it, but there was a lot of people out there that was just like, they were just confused by that choice for them to cover that song. Um, but I kind of like that they went against the grain and picked a, a you know, a, a weird song like that. But um, they seem to, in recent years, have been embracing their older, um, you know, parts of their discography, especially their debut. They've been playing a lot of the older stuff live, and I think they even did... I don't know if it's a live album or a DVD or both possibly of them performing the entire uh, debut album. Um, <laughs> I almost said the entire debut album in its entirety, but that would just be redundant. But you know what I mean. Uh, the debut, oh, it's in French and uh, I don't do well with French, but I know it translates to like uh, Wounds of the Soul. It's a Les Blessures de l'Homme or something like that. But um, there's kind of a two-parter song in there. There's a part one and a part two. I'm going to play part one here because, uh, to me, it's it's just a better song. But um, And it's one that I can pronounce. So here we go, off of Les Blessures de l'Homme. <laughs> I probably butchered the hell out of that. This is Seth with Hymn au Vampire, part one.
There we are. From France, that was Seth with Him of Vampire Part 1. Some definite, like, early Dimu Borgir vibes going on there. Like, their, their debut, really the first two albums, uh, are kind of in that more symphonic, kind of gothic vibe um, kind of sound. And then they kind of took it in a more uh, aggressive direction from there. Um, they've never, they're one of those bands that has never made the same album twice. I will give them that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just love how, how kind of smooth and melodic that debut is. Um, all right. It is that magical time where I have to announce the final song of the episode. So I want to thank everybody once again for listening. Um, hope you don't mind that I have flipped the schedule here. So from here on out, I'll be doing every other week again, but, uh, just flipping the schedule works out better for me. Uh, to be able to do my recording kind of undisturbed and not worry about disturbing my son when he's sleeping and things like that. Um, So yes, if you want to tell somebody where they can listen to the podcast, they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com or on the free Podbean app. And of course, the entire uh, catalog of episodes is also on Spotify, so please find it and follow it there. Um, any sort of, you know, feedback or requests or anything like that, you can email me at bloodandfireradio at gmail.com. And of course, please find and like the Facebook page because any sort of updates or poll questions or just anything related to the podcast that I need to share with you all is going to be posted there. So, I've already got the next two episodes mapped out, so um, I fully expect to be on schedule with the next episode so I'm gonna close this out with a nice long one which I tend to do Uh, this is a band that I really didn't know much about Um, I follow their label um, their Facebook page because they're an excellent label and I'm always just kinda keeping up with what they're releasing the label is Transcending Obscurity Records so I uh, saw them debut this track from this band called Soothsayer from Ireland. They've been around since 2013. Um, They released an EP in 2015 and 2016, um, but this is their first full-length album that they are about to release on April 1st. It's called Echoes of the Earth, and uh, yes, they've released one single so far, and uh, it's a lengthy song, but it's very good. They're kind of a kind of a sludgy doom band, but you know, when that's kind of a a taboo word, I guess, to refer to a band as sludge because that tends to conjure up uh, images of, you know, some of the uh, crappy bands from uh, Louisiana and stuff that I've heard. But don't worry, it's not that kind of sludge at all. But um, but it's definitely not quite just traditional doom metal either. So um, it's got more of an edge to it. But uh, it's very good. And uh, it has definitely caught my attention to the point where I will be checking out this full length when it comes out on April 1st. So, hope you guys dig it. I will be back in two weeks. Until then, everybody stay safe, and I'll see you then. Cheers. This is Soothsayer with True North.
Before his time. 